0: Welcome to Grow Yourself Up. It's episode 89, and I'm really delighted that you've taken the time to join me today. First of all, I want to say that if you'd like to get the journal prompts that goes alongside with every episode, please go and sign up for that. And the prompts for um, episode 89 will be sent out this week. I'm getting, trying to get a bit more efficient. So this week, what I want to start off with is a reader letter about guilt and shame. So that comes up a lot in parenting. And this is very specific about uh, when we have to heal in our own parenthood journey and um, the guilt and shame that we may feel about that. I'm going to actually divide this into two episodes. So this is part one. And to start off with, I'm going to read you the letter that I received. So it says, Hello, Kath. Your podcast is really so inspiring. It has led to some deep self-reflection and has shed a light on parts of myself I wasn't fully aware of before. As you say, this is a long and slow process. I'm trying not to rush it, though the temptation to do so is great. I wonder if you would consider it worthwhile to talk about guilt and shame and parenting and reparenting. I'm not talking about the guilt of all day TV on a wet day or fish fingers and chips for tea three evenings in a row, but the guilt and shame which arises from doing this work and growing yourself up. My son was born in 2016, and I was not as self-aware then as I am now. In fact, if it wasn't for becoming a mum, I would never have begun this journey. The first three years of motherhood were awful. I suffered, and so my son did too. I was frequently not connected. I was sometimes angry. I was on rare occasions rough. I often shouted and screamed. I could not be the parent then that I am now. I was beyond fortunate to receive counselling from a wonderful therapist, which really helped me to normalise my experience and made me feel more human and less monster. But the more I learn about my own early years, the more I'm aware of the impact of my early parenting on my son's development, attachment, and emotional well-being. What has been done has been done, and when I raise my worries around my early parenting, which is I'm doing to try to alleviate my shame, talking to my husband and friends, I am told, but look how he loves you, look how good you are with him, etc., I am sure I am not your only listener who has started on this road of reparenting later than would be ideal, and not your only listener who in desperation to be different became similar. How would you approach having the courage and self-love to continue this journey when guilt and shame of less than early parenting makes it feel undeserved? Okay, first of all, I really want to honor this listener and thank you for this very, very beautiful and vulnerable letter. Um... We're going to go through a lot of this stuff, and thank you for being courageous enough to write it and honest about owning your story. I want to, first of all, extend compassion. When we look at some of our parenting in the early years, and when we wonder about what we may have done, it can feel um, terribly, terribly painful, and as such, we may want to avoid it. And it's really um, helpful to consider how we were, and also helpful to understand why we were like that. So I'm going to go, I've got lots and lots of points to make. And and as I said, I'm going to split this into two episodes. So broadly, I'm going to keep some of the neuroscience stuff for um, the second episode. So today, I'm going to really focus on giving you a kind of a foundation of how to consider this. So first of all, and and this letter has highlighted that for many people, you would never have gone on a healing journey unless you had children. And what that shows me is that, or what that sort of tells us is that the trauma that you may have experienced and the disconnection and wounding that you may have experienced in your childhood is not uh, clear, or there's not some big event to point to, which may have led you to believe that you had a very happy time and were very connected. And this is the story for so many people. A large proportion of this, I believe, is due to the fact that. Um, not connecting to our emotions and what we now call childhood emotional neglect has been the sort of standard parenting practice for many, many, many years. So what that means is, is that many of us were shamed continuously throughout childhood for our big emotions, for turning up in a developmentally appropriate way. We were not given support to decode our emotions or to understand them and we never received any co-regulate, co-regulation around them. So instead of having an adult be with us in our anger and our fear and our terror, you know, if we have terror at night or we have, um, a massive angry burst, instead of having an adult there who with a, with a calm enough system at that point to help us negotiate through that and to remain in touch with our own bodily sensations and to understand what they're being, what is being communicated to us we many many of us had expo- had experiences of having to deal with that all alone which means that our experience of being ourself was too much and too there's a, the somatic teachers always talk about too much too fast too soon as a way to understand how trauma floods our system and for many of us We would have experienced ourselves as like that, that our own emotional processes were too much, too fast, too soon, and there was no one to help us contain ourselves. And so what often happens then is dissociation and freeze become our habitual responses. So I really want you to kind of like try to embody that, like understand on a profound level that you Would not have received the emotional containment and coaching that you needed to be an emotionally healthy adult, to be able to actually process and be in touch with the fullness of your human experience. And that is why many people have never gone on this journey until they come into parenthood because they don't know what they don't know. They don't know that they're not in touch with their full emotional experience. They don't know that they don't have skills to deal with them. they, They may habitually Push down feelings. Then, um, you know, we, we develop many different adaptations to deal with feelings. As soon as something comes up, you may previously have gone for a run. As soon as something comes up, you may have had a little bite of chocolate. As soon as something comes up, you might have had a glass of wine. You might have worked harder on the project you were working on. You may have picked up your phone and scrolled. You may have gone to an extra gym class to deal with any angst that's coming up, or gone for an extra run. And so we don't know. That we don't have any emotional skills essentially, because you can pass an adult life um, without having sophisticated emotional skills. You 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 can approximate goodness, which often seems to to um, kind of look like good emotional regulation. Meanwhile, many people are just fawning and freezing, so trying to look good in situations and respond to other people, or just going into a free state. So really, I want you to really hold on to we don't know what we don't know. And the more that you can understand about your own story, this will really help you understand the way that you are. And that's really helpful so that you don't beat up on yourself because the this whole job of building capacity in your nervous system and capacity in your system overall to hold space for your children's emotions, to hold space for your own emotions. If you had been securely attached in the beginning, that job would not be such a huge task. Parenting is not as complicated when you are securely attached because you already have a lot of this capacity and there's not the same level of anxiety and there's not the same level of shame. So, you know, any bits of information you can gather about your grandparents, about what it was like in your family growing up, about how did problems get dealt with? What happened to emotions? You know, did we just drink on them or did we all slam doors or were we sent off to separate parts of the house or where we lived? You know, who who was there for you? And once you make more sense of that, it helps. It, it'll really help you understand that the way you are now makes perfect Perfect sense in the context of your history, and there is nothing you could have done about this. nothing it was not in your um, not in your rematch. you were a child, you were born into a family who dealt with things in a certain way, and turning up in adult life with the strategies that you learned in childhood that's that 's the way things go and ironically, one of the things that I kind of talk about a lot is that the coping strategies that we develop. In a dysfunctional family, so in a family where we do not get our needs met ourselves, where we may be doing a lot of um, emotionally tending to our parents, we may be a parentified child, we may be caring for our siblings, um, which, by the way, by definition means that we are emotionally neglected because there's no one tending to us, no adult giving us space. Um, when we grow up in in an in family environment like that, we often develop coping strategies such as perfectionism, people pleasing, being very controlling which um we, you know, we work really hard, we try really hard. And those strategies make us seem really successful. All the kind of outer trappings of success, which we value in this capitalist society, make it look like we're really doing so well. And then that makes us think that everything is good. And, you know, because we're projecting this this kind of um the mask that we've learned, the coping strategies out into the world and we get reflected back. Oh, you're doing well. So we don't ponder. It's mm, isn't it interesting that I have to have like a bottle of wine when I get home from work each night? We don't ponder. Isn't it interesting that I work like 18 hours out of 24 hours? Or isn't it interesting that I have an absolute meltdown if I'm not if I can't over exercise, i.e. go to the gym before work and after work, or if I can't shop each night when I get home, or if I can't zone out with takeaway and TV each night. You know, those, those, um, those things that I've just mentioned, those are all attempts to regulate. They are, they're attempts to come down in some sense as well from all these, um, coping strategies that I've just talked about. And when I say come down to kind of down regulate a bit. So the coping strategies you develop in this dysfunctional family make you look successful. So then it seems that motherhood is just going to be, or parenthood is just going to be another thing that you're going to be successful at. And, a lot of the coping strategies I've also mentioned are fairly normalised. Drinking too much is 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 until you like fall down and um kind of really damage yourself. It's very normalised. It's quite acceptable. People see that as a way to to um release stress or blow off steam, and so you may not realise to what extent you you need these things to keep yourself sort of functioning actually so you can have done years of healing and years and years of therapy and be brought to your knees in motherhood like no other time in your life and the main reason that I believe that is the case is because of the way our own early experiences are tapped into when we become a mother so we're put in touch with our own vulnerability in caring for a small person, in ways which we have never may may never have been in touch with our vulnerability, and we we wonder how was this done for us? Um, was this done for me? And it it puts us the, the implicit memories that are that are dredged up in our own system from what goes on with our child brings up uh, like can be very destabilizing in terms of our own regulation, and may lead to what um. Like the anger, when this, this listener says, I was frequently not connected. Frequently not connected because dissociation has kept you safe. Sometimes angry because you're being blown out of your window of tolerance by the um, uh, the, the huge kind of sensory overload. Rare occasions rough. That would also be because of real overstimulation and too many signs of danger from, um, from the environment. So I want to say that in our desperation to be different, We have to first understand why we are similar and we are similar to our own parents because we didn't get enough co-regulation and we do not have a wide enough window of tolerance and we find it really difficult to remain in touch with ourselves when we have a stress response. We have very little resilience when we have been raised in families where we have not been tended to. We do not get a wide window of tolerance from not being tended to. The only reason, um, or the only way we can—yeah, maybe the better better phrasing—is the only way we can get a wide window of tolerance is to have had many, many iterations of the adults in our lives lovingly being with us through our big feelings, both on the very um, you know positive, joyful side, and when we're raging and angry and bored and apathetic. We need patterned experiences of our feelings being acknowledged, held, soothed and coming back into a place of homeostasis in our body to be able to tolerate all of that ourselves and to learn to take on the functioning of self-regulation. When we have been raised by people who themselves have, um, who are very prone to dysregulation, that is what will happen to us. We will be prone to dysregulation because our nervous systems are patterned by the nervous systems we grow up around. And so if we, we, those of us who, and I mean, I say, I say this, I I need to make like a bumper sticker, which says this, those of us who are most drawn to do things differently are also those of us who are the least likely to be able to do it because we were raised in situations where we did not have regulated parents. So the co-regulation that we received would have been suboptimal at best and probably very erratic. And what that means is that instead of having like a really wide, lovely window of tolerance, we can have a massive range of feelings and emotions and things can come into us and they don't like, uh, uh, dangerous signals to our nervous system can come in and it doesn't blow us right out of our window of tolerance. Whereas if we've been raised in a family where we have um, kind of erratic parents, shut down parents, alcoholic parents, addicted parents, um, shut, you know, shut down, dissociated, mentally ill, physically ill, we have a narrow window of tolerance like that. So even normal things like you know, normal universal cameras go blast us right out of our window of tolerance. And so we have to really work to widen that window. And to be present for ourselves and to, to to really narrate that story to ourselves of, yes, I want to do this differently. I want to do this differently because I found my own childhood painful. And I also do not have the physiology for this. So I'm going to start on a, a kind of a program of building my window of tolerance. But you would not have known that before you became a parent. That's kind of the key thing, because the strategies that you used to regulate yourself, like perfectionism and control and people pleasing, made you seem very successful. So it's so confusing because you like, but I've managed so well in my career. Maybe I've been like a really shining star. I'm a really good friend because I'm such a good listener. Da, 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 all the ways that you in which you succeed, and the huge input in motherhood um, really then demonstrates. Wow, I've got very little resilience and not that much capacity. So I hope that kind of it's It's the main thing I want all of you to hear is it's not your fault. it is our responsibility to change it though, because this is otherwise how we perpetuate trauma because we cannot be there for our children in times of their stress. so we even may have had some awareness of our own trauma. we may have had a lot of awareness of my own trauma. I had a lot of awareness of my of my history on both um sides of my family, like going back a couple of generations um I had done a lot of trauma training. I've done EMDR. I've done a lot of work on myself um, and a lot of trauma work, actually. And motherhood tipped me straight back into my old coping strategies and my narrow window of tolerance was very, very clearly revealed. So you may fit into that bucket of knowing a lot and also have been um, you know, set back to emotional ground zero. It's so often the language I use. Or you may have not had any awareness. You may have thought you had a lovely family and it was all wonderful and have have really been habituated to this idea of emotional neglect where you just shut down your feelings, shut down your feelings, shut down your feelings. That is extremely common. But really, that's an experience of being um, constantly neglected and, and your true sense of self not seen. So I really want to say please don't blame yourself. You are worthy of having this journey. You will be growing alongside your children. You are growing capacity all the time. It is brave and courageous work, and it deserves to be celebrated. Please really, really um, focus on all the changes that you make every day, on the way that you're present acknowledge yourself for the fact that you you're building that capacity to be present with your child's feelings for yourself as well one of the things so I'm gonna sh- I'm going to share a lot more about um, how some of the the brain stuff next week but one of the things I want to say is to kind of in um, the short this short episode is to say that so I have regret about um, some of the things that I did in early parenting um in my birth I was really focused on skin to skin but I didn't do that. In the birth. I think I did it once in the hospital, twice. And I had so much regret about that. Uh, I have beat myself up for, for years about that. And um at some point about, I think about when my girls were about between twelve and eighteen months, I saw a practitioner for something. And I was really lamenting that. And she was like, Well, you can still do skin to skin. And so I started to have baths with them to get that skin to skin and to really just do chest to chest with them in the bath. And um, that really kind of helped me. And there's also been a part where I've really had to be very gentle with myself. Like, of course, I was overwhelmed in the hospital after giving birth to twins. Of course, skin to skin was the furthest thing from my mind. I, I don't know what was in my mind, to be honest. I can't actually really remember. And so we have to be very, very gentle with ourselves. I think um, this this letter alludes to the fact that what's, about, what's done has been done. And I think that it's very tempting to constantly go back over what we perceive to be our mistakes and chew over those and chew over those and chew over those. But what actually happens with that is then it drives perfectionism in the present moment because we think, okay, right, I've got to get it all right now and um, I need to kind of be better than I was. Really, what I want to invite you into is softening, softening into how you are now and believing that you're good enough and believing that you are doing the best you can with the existing knowledge that you have, you can't change years of your own family history in a short period of time. There's lots that you can do, um, widening your window of tolerance and building in practices such as physical exercise, um, as much movement as you can, um, connection, space to process your feelings, so therapy, uh, things like body work or uh, body massage. Those things will help you widen your window of tolerance over time, but the most kind of the thing with the most efficacy right now is actually compassion and um giving yourself acknowledgement of wow this is this is what i've come from this is my legacy no wonder this has been hard for me at some point we have to the part part of the huge part of the growing ourselves up is is what story do we want to feed do we want to feed that story endlessly of i was a really crap mother for the first 3 years Or do we want to feed the story of, I'm really growing myself up as I go, I'm really learning to tend to myself, I'm giving myself a lot of compassion, and all of that softness and compassion I give to myself helps with the softness and compassion I can extend to my child and to their processes, and it helps me be in touch with them as they go through their stress points. Because what makes the biggest difference for your child from a secure attachment point of view is you being able to be attuned and present enough with them through all the things they're going through. And what helps us with that is our own self-compassion where we can go, wow, sweetie, I know this is so hard. This is so hard. And that helps us be with our child in that way in a soft way connecting with their stress points instead of constantly abandoning them in the points of stress which is what happened to us so um i know how seductive it can be to constantly chew over things and ruminate but i want to invite you into growing the story of how you are now and how you are going forward in the present moment because beating ourselves up for um the the past actually sends us signs of danger in the present. So, from a nervous system point of view, when we beat up on ourselves, we are essentially wide, narrowing our window of tolerance in those moments because we get pushed down the autonomic ladder. If you, I'm jumping now to another um, to kind of polyvagal theory, but if you think about it, if you are in ventral vagal at the top of the polyvagal ladder, this is Deb Dana and Stephen Cordris' work. If you're constantly criticizing yourself and thinking, I'm crap, and I've done this wrong, I've done that wrong, that all comes in, that's 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 um, you know that's pushing you down, that's a sign of danger, and that's pushing you down the autonomic ladder, which makes you then have less capacity in the present moment, and that's not helpful. So I really want to invite you into thinking, what story is it that I want to grow about myself in the present moment? How can I keep on honoring that? I think an incredibly important part of this is also grieving, grieving for how things were. There is so much grief in parenting. There is grief for how hard things ha- have been. How there's grief for our own childhood. A huge, huge thing is being being like growing the capacity to give something to our children that we didn't have. But there is so much grief layered up in that. There's grief for, you know, from this listener for what their early experiences were like there's grief for what they didn't know when they first had their child that you know that process of matrescence this is this I, I think we can conceive of this as a part of learning to be a mother trauma healing i think is a huge part of matrescence okay i'm going to stop there for this week And um, I hope that's all made sense. And there's a form on my website if you would also like to submit a a listener question. So you can go to kathkunahan.com and look in the podcast section and there's a little um, form or you can do it by the usual contact form. Or you can email me at at kathkunahan.com. And um, if you found this useful, please share this episode and please consider leaving a written review on Apple Podcasts. Or you can, I think you can just do a star review on um, Spotify. Okay, thanks for being here. And I hope this has given you some comfort. I am on this journey with you. There are many people on this journey. And together we're going forward. We are going forward with compassion and with love. And that is changing our own lives and our children's. You've been listening to Grow Yourself Up hosted by Kath Cunahan. We'll be back next week with a new episode supporting you to better understand and tend to yourself for more heart-centered, connected, authentic, and resilient living.